This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show. I hope you are very well. Lots to get through today. Three big words for you. It's amazing how the really important solutions in life don't take a lot of explaining, do they? It can be summed up in a sentence. Well, how about this one? Give it time. Whether it's an issue in a relationship, whether it's a work situation, a project you're doing, perhaps you're learning a musical instrument or some other new skill. Give it time. Perhaps you're trying to get your child to be better at a certain subject at school and you're giving them the support. A bit of patience is very important. It's not a human quality patience. We are impatient. We seek the urgent outcome and we're not good at delaying gratification. We're not good at waiting for that positive outcome. We want to have the jam today, not the jam tomorrow. But if you look at a financial product like a pension, the very essence of a pension is patience, isn't it? A little bit of your salary comes out of your paycheck every month, insignificant amounts. But after 30 or 40 years, you've got yourself an income. And so when it comes to developing yourself and growing, think of you as that pension fund that you're investing in. And understand that, yes, you can achieve quite dramatic results very quickly in some areas. Other things will just take time. So, for example, when I started my career as a stand up, I struggled for so many years and I just thought I'm not cut out for this. I'm not cut out for this. I'm not um, I'm not the right person to be a comedian. But I stuck with it anyway. It's like I'm rubbish and I'll carry on. Just be rubbish. That's another. I mean, that's two words. That's even better than give it time. Be rubbish is two words. Now, we've talked about that before. Do bad work. Um, but you're just going to have to keep the faith. Everyone else can give up on you. You can be fired. People can leave you. Relationships can end. You can get a flurry of really, really negative input from those around you. The whole world can be saying this new business of idea of yours is rubbish. It's terrible. Don't do it. You're getting a clear message. This is the wrong thing to do. But it's only you that stops it happening. It's only you that cancels it. So therefore, don't cancel yourself. And I think through impatience, a lot of people do. They give up because they're not getting the results they want as quickly. But you stick with it. There's a lovely line in King Lear in which King Lear asks his daughter, please tell me you love me. And she says, why? And he says, oh, reason, not the need. Don't 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 rationalize why and I think I want you to not reason the need okay if there's stuff you want to do if there's stuff you're working on you're trying to lose weight you're writing a book you're painting the garden fence whatever it is give it time be patient you'll get there in the end and then suddenly like that garden fence that never seemed to be finished you did you reached out just you notice that on drive yeah this drive will never end and then suddenly it's over and that's the trick about being patient. You will get there in the end. 
And I just think that by being impatient, that's a form of self-destruction. It's, it is um, self-sabotage. So play the long game. It's a marathon, not a race. And yes, you'll get some quick early wins, but some of those other victories will be hard fought. Grind it out, baby. Grind it out. Give it time. Take your time. Give it. My son was learning to drive. He's like, I'll never get the hang of this. Like, don't worry. Just give it time. Just wait. And now he's like Lewis bloody Hamilton. Also, um, this happened to me this week. And I want to apologize because I tried to be a really good role model, a really good person. And I did a really bad thing this week. I told a white lie. I was walking down the street with my son and I went into a butcher's. I do love a butcher's because I don't know, really. You buy meat from the supermarket. It's a transaction, isn't it? And the meat is abstract. You don't really realise you're buying an animal that comes from a farm. It's just a food product. It's like buying a bag of peas. But you go to the butcher and the butcher is like, you know, hacking up big old chunks of beef and pulling the feathers off a chicken and, you know, dicing lamb. And, oh, it's just, you know what I mean? It's just a beautiful thing. It's great. The craft of a butcher is a tremendous thing to behold. So actually, if you get a chance, try to go to your local butcher, your fishmonger, the local baker. Seek out these independent outlets because... Very often the produce they work with is of a high quality. And the reason why is because their reputation depends on it. If it's a main supermarket, the big supermarkets are going to sell their steaks. Just, you know, you've got the name of the supermarket. This is a this is a Sainsbury's fillet steak. It's going to be sold. But old Bob the Butcher with one outlet in the high street. He is, you know, his business is based upon his reputation, the trust of his customers. He can't mess around. He can't roll the dice. So very often the produce from these independent outlets will be very good. Plus, you just have that relationship with the butcher and you can say, oh, you know, I really like those uh, sage and onion sausages. Have you got anything, anything like that, but a bit different? It's, oh, yeah, try the try the pork and apple. They're absolutely delicious. And so, you know, he gets feedback. He gives you ideas. Some really good butchers will tell you how to cook the meat and what recipes to use and what herbs. And they're so enthusiastic because it's what they do. That's their job. They sell meat to the public. So go and find yourself a butcher and build a relationship together. It might be that buying from a butcher is more expensive than the supermarket. And that is tough. So you could mix and match. and You can buy some basics from the supermarket and then get Occasional bits and pieces from the butcher or just buy a bit less from the butcher, but better quality. Um, so I'm on my way to the butcher and I do. I'm By the way, I think it's a horrible job, isn't it? Imagine just working with raw meat all day. I am such a carnivore, but I don't actually like the presence of meat that much. I eat everything. I have liver, but I mean, I just touching it is awful. Eating it's fine. So we're going in and I because I fancied. A really nice, simple dinner, by the way. I mean, this is so... You could try this tonight if you want. Bangers and mash. It's such an easy dinner. So what you do is you get your sausages, right? This is the Mark Dolan twist. You're going to love this. I have mentioned it in a previous podcast. 
you take your sausages, you prick them and you boil them vigorously for 10 to 15 minutes. And what that means is all the disgusting pork fat just sort of leaks out of them. You drain the water and you've got these lovely boiled sausages, which are sort of pale and white, and they've had the fat leached out of them. You then slam them in the oven and they go all crispy and they caramelize. And because they've been boiled, they're quite fluffy and tender inside and moist. They've been boiled and it's still got that bit of moisture, but then nice and crunchy and caramelized on the outside and brown. So bangers and mash, you do that. You get your mashed potatoes, which involves chopping up potatoes to an equal size, boiling the potatoes in salty water, drain them, mash them, big knob of butter, twist of black pepper. That's your mash. If you want, if you're living the dream, you can put some double cream in there as well, but it's not obligatory, but you can if you want. You can also shave Parmesan in there, just mix it all up. There's your mashed potatoes. And then I would recommend frozen peas as the vegetable. And that's uh, petit pois, much nicer than regular garden peas. These are the tiny little peas. Have your petit pois, boil them for three to four minutes, no more, because they, they can overcook. And I think overcooked peas are not nice. And then make some lovely gravy. How do you make the gravy? Well, you take a cube of beef stock and then you have about 500 ml of water and you boil the water. You put the cube of beef stock in get the beef stock to um, the cube, get it to sort of dissolve in, in the water. And then you can either thicken it with corn flour. And that's very simple. All you do is you get corn flour, mix it with water, very little bit, you don't need a lot, and then put it into the boiling liquid and it will become thick. Uh, the, the water needs to be boiling. You need to stir in the corn flour straight away and it will just integrate beautifully and that will thicken your gravy. And that's your gravy. Uh, there is a great alternative for anyone in the UK which is Bisto so you still got your stock cube you've got your boiling water and then you mix Bisto with water and you add that and it browns the gravy very nicely and adds a lovely sort of beef flavor to it but many of you most of you are outside of the UK you may not be able to get your hands on Bisto if you ever come to Britain buy Bisto and take it home because it is truly miraculous um, but corn flour will do the job. So there you go. You've got your boiled sausages, which we've roasted. You've got your mashed potato with a knob of butter. And you've got your petit pois peas. The gravy, lashings of gravy all over the top. A delicious meal. If you're low carb, just have more of the sausages and have less of the potato. So maybe just one or two tablespoons of potato. If you are really low carb you can have low carb mashed potato and what that involves is getting cauliflower grating it and then frying it gently and mashing it so you grate your cauliflower then you fry it then you mash it again a knob of butter you can also boil it as well, as long as you don't do it for very long. Mash it. And uh, that is your uh, cauliflower mashed potato. And it's just like mashed potato. It's white. It's got the butter in. It's got the similar consistency. Very low carbohydrate. Anyway, there you go. So that's why I'm such a fan of going to the butchers, because I think if I'm going to have bangers and mash, 
I want special unique sausages. I don't just want the regular supermarket sausages. I'm thinking of something with an interesting flavor, some great herbs or spices. So we're off to the to the butcher. Which is a thing of beauty. Hampstead Village. It's called the Hampstead Butcher. It's eye-wateringly expensive. But I was only buying four sausages. And they came to £3.80. So it's just less than a quid per sausage. Now, that is a lot of money. I completely agree. But my solution was that I've got sort of the cheap, crappy supermarket sausages. And then I was just going to have four really nice ones with four of us eating. And what that meant, a bit of a money-saving hack. When I served the bangers and mash, everyone gets a few of the crappy sausages. And then each person gets one of the posh sausages. And most of the people I dined with, they ate the crap ones first and then they waited until the end for the posh one. So everyone got, and the posh one's quite big, so you do get quite a lot of meat. The others, others were chipolatas. So yeah, less than a quid a sausage uh, and, and worth it. Something to look forward to. I think when you're eating a meal, it's got to reach a crescendo. The second half of the meal has got to be better than the first half. We had a guest round today, lovely young lad. And I made him a toasted cheese sandwich with a fried egg on top, which is like the little frisson that I think is a nice thing, don't you? A little fried egg on top. And he he did an amazing thing, right? Toasted, so basically a toasty, right? Cheese and ham toasty, fried egg on top. He carefully ate around the perimeter of the bread leaving the yolk of the egg on, on top intact, right? And so he was kind of eating it in a kind of circular manner. So he ate the egg white and he ate the sort of surrounding bread. And all you're left with is this sphere, this round sphere of a toasty with the yolk on top unbroken. And I said, what, what are you up to there? And he said, I'm waiting until the very last moment to break the yolk. It was a quite... A, a wonderful spectacle, I must say. And if I'd had a camera on it, I think it would have viral video written all over it. So he finally breaks the egg and then it just sort of leaks onto the bread, onto the ham, onto the melted cheese. So good. So um, I, I think I share his philosophy, which is that the second half, if you're having a main course, you've got to like, save the best till last so if i'm having for example steak and chips there's no way that i will eat all the chips before i finish the steak you know i'm going to leave a last couple of chips and that last piece of steak and have it all together so what will happen is that the fork will pierce the steak and then it will pierce the chips and it will all in one fork one mouthful you can have the steak and the chips glycosidic as they say in german at the same time straight in your mouth beautiful so good so that's why my solution to the bangers and match is a crappy sausages and then you get to finish on the posh one and you're looking forward to that for the whole meal beautiful so we go into the butchers and we just follow a lady in who has got a husky very nice lady, very nice dog. Now, my son and I, we're dog spotters. We're always like, looking at dogs. We talk about dogs. Um, we greet dogs. So we don't have a dog ourselves because ourselves, we, we feel it's a big responsibility. Well, it is, isn't it? We don't feel it. It is. It's not an impression we have. 
not an abstract idea that I've plucked out of thin air. Dogs are a massive responsibility. That's a 15-year commitment, isn't it, if we're honest with you? So we're much too selfish to have a dog because we like to suddenly say, hey, let's go to the Peak District now. Happened the other day, just a few days ago. Uh, my son and I spontaneously went up to Cumbria because we had a bit of time, a bit of business up there. And I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go at five. This is not a drill. We're, we, we're now, we're, you know, we were going about our day and we were in London and then suddenly it's like, we will finish our day in, in Cumbria. That was the, uh, the Lake District. Very exciting. You can't do that if you own a dog. We own a cat who is a legend. He's got, this guy, he's got two cat flaps. So he's got 24-7 access to our home. And we've got a machine which you fill up with the cat food and then as he eats the cat food, more food just drops through. I'd like one of those for humans. Wouldn't that be nice? Perfect for like a divorced man, don't you think? Just a device that keeps him topped up with snacks. So he doesn't die of de de uh, dehydration. I don't think that's the word. Malnourishment. Starvation. There you go. We got there in the end. Remember, give it time. Be patient. Patience is not a human quality. Now, what next? Well, yeah, we're mid-story, aren't we? NGL, that means not going to lie. It's the first letter of each word, one after the other. I'd like to talk to you about this um, situation with the husky and this lady. So she is a vibrant character. Blonde hair. Tanned skin. Big sunglasses, winning smile, platinum white teeth, mid-height for a lady, your classic kind of five foot, seven inch female solution, pleasant human being, good vibes. Um, a big theme of this show is about following your gut instinct. My gut instinct about this lady was good. I just had a good feeling about her. Listen to your gut. Right. Believe your eyes, believe your ears. You've got senses, believe your nose, believe your instincts, believe your brain, believe your soul. And I believed in this woman. I liked her. I thought she was a little wacky because she should have, she crashed in, she was ahead of us. She crashed into this shop, right? A lot of, a lot of bluster, a lot of fanfare, almost like I've arrived. She was a bit regal. Um, middle age, I would say. You know, I'd say she was in that sort of ballpark of mid-50s and living her best life. She had this dog with her, which was a husky. Do you know what those huskies are? I'm not that good at describing stuff, so do you mind just Googling it? I'd really appreciate it. For those that don't have internet access, by the way, you, you get that on TV, don't you? People say, if you don't have, in, if you, listen, if you don't have internet access, I can't help you. I'm sorry. I, I'm, not, I'm not having people with with no internet access. It's um, it's a deal breaker for me. If you don't have internet access, if you don't have access to the internet, I cannot have, of course I'm joking. There are lots of very older people who don't and do struggle with it. And I want to help them. If you're 30 and don't have internet access, sort yourself out. 
Right, if it's Auntie Mabel and she's 96, fair enough. But if you're, you know, some guy called Brett in the flush of youth that doesn't have internet access, you're problematic. You are holding back the human race. How can you be 30 with no internet access? Pull yourself together, for God's sakes. Anyway, so she's cool. I like her. I think my son likes her too. We sort of smiled at each other at this woman chaotically entering a Hampstead delicatessen. And uh, so the husky, yeah. So the husky, it's quite a small husky. Some of them are really big. They're like bears almost. But this husky, four legs and a tail, wet nose, which is always a good sign. And those lovely, gorgeous eyes. Blue, but almost white, kind of whitey blue eyes. Some huskies are like David Bowie and have one brown eye and one blue eye, which is just also sublime. It's a lovely breed. They're very good natured. It's really unfair and really cruel to have a husky if you live in a hot country because they are, well, they're Alaskan, aren't they? NGL. And they, it's the first letter of each word, one after the other. Yep, not going to lie, NGL. They uh, they should be in cool countries. And so therefore I salute my friend, this lady, because she's in London. That's perfect for a husky. London is not a hot town, I promise you. It's hot. We have, we have a, like a really, a big three days where we're a little sweaty. And then it's back to being cold. It's a very temperate environment. The United Kingdom, I can't lie, it's got an excellent climate. Because it's temperate. It, it Since... However long, 2,000 years, it's just been a very comfortable place to exist. And it's a bit rainy and everything, but no extreme weather. In fact, we kind of look forward to the snow. We, we crave snow and we crave sunshine. Uh, but the reason why I think so many Brits have produced great art, great music, great comedy, great literature is, is because um, of escapism, because the weather isn't all that. So therefore, you better entertain yourself in an artificial way. So you've got people like Charles Dickens writing books just to get us away from the reality of our existence. But that's good. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you lived in Playa de las Americas in Tenerife, I mean, you don't have to escape anything. It's just lovely, isn't it? The Canary Islands are great. It's curious, the Canary Islands, because the Canary Islands are Spanish, but they're off the coast of Africa. Well done, Spain. Still got the empire going, haven't they? They're not messing around. That's a proper feather in your cap to basically nab a few African islands and literally Africa and call it, badge it up as Spain. That takes that takes some front. Well done, Spain. The Canary Islands. That is not Spain. If you've got if you've got Internet access and if you're 30, call Brett and you don't have Internet access. I can't help you. But just have a look at how far away the Canary Islands are from bloody Spain. It is not Spain. I wouldn't. I actually. War is a terrible thing. But I would uh, I would accept if if certain African nations sort of got clubbed together and conducted a war to get the Canary Islands back, I might offer them my support. I won't fight because I have flat feet and I'm 49. 
short-sighted. I do feel like I would hinder the war effort, but I can offer strategic advice and entertain the troops. I think it's time for Africa. I know it's not a country, so you'd have to have individual African nations, but you know, maybe maybe they could all come together and take back the Canaries, which are patently African islands. What the hell were the Spanish thinking? And by the way, that means if you go to the Canary Islands and you're in Tenerife and you're on the Playa de las Americas and you're having a CCCC San Miguel, right? don't pretend that you're in bloody Spain. Look at a map. You're off the coast of Africa. You're part of this terrible Canary Islands lie. It's a conspiracy, isn't it? How did we get to the Canary Islands? Wouldn't I like to know? Uh, well, it's a great climate, by the way. My family holidays, we always went to Ireland every summer. And that was so joyful. I loved Ireland. My family are Irish and I love Ireland so much. And my fabulous uncle was a dairy farmer. And I loved Ireland so much that on one occasion, when I got home from the holidays, my mum was like going through the wardrobe, pulling stuff out. And she found a pair of corduroy trousers that were sprayed with dry cow poo right? i had these soiled trousers in my wardrobe and she's like what are these doing in the wardrobe there's cow poo on there and i'd kept them because i loved the smell and that amazing just little boy little boys are and little girls they're very special aren't they they're so magical children are so magical because there's no filter there's no agenda there's no narrative there's no campaign they just are, aren't they? They just are. Kids are. And my mum was, she was, I think, a mixture of furious, but also quite touched that I should seek to keep these trousers. And I didn't wash them because I liked the smell because it reminded me of my time in Ireland. And I would scoop up these trousers and just inhale smell. By the way, I would also arguably add, that I think cow poo smells pretty good anyway. I love the countryside. I love the smell of cows and I love to watch cows grazing. Uh, on this show, as you know, we never get involved in any kind of divisive or political issues. Right. This is a beautiful politics free zone. But maybe I could be just cheeky and break my own rule for once and say, if you if you look at. You know, this this campaign against sort of, you know, farming and all of that, if you look at a field just of grass and you look at cows grazing in the countryside, just wandering around, just grazing on the grass or sleeping. I love it when cows lie down. Isn't that the best thing ever? How can that be bad for the environment? Cows just munching grass and sleeping, having a wee and doing a poo. How is that? How is that in any sense going to be bad? But look, it could be. And that's the beauty of this podcast. This podcast is not going to alienate anyone. It could be that the cows are really bad for the environment and the cows must go. On this podcast, there will never be a judgment made about that. Let's talk about it. Let's debate it. Let's listen to each other. And let's um, crunch the numbers and look at the data. But if I were to throw my uninformed two pennies worth in, I just if I see, I would agree with you about, you know, those sort of industrial farms they have in America, these sheds. And there's thousands of cows in there and they're stood on concrete and they're like prisoners in a war of uh, 
prisoner of war camp or something. Of course, you don't want to eat that meat, do you? But just the old Aberdeen Angus munching their way through Scottish rural landscape. How bad can it be? Anyway, so look, let's get to this. So the the husky has got these lovely, almost white eyes, grey, a mixture of grey, white fur, a waggy tail. It's a girl. It's funny, isn't it, with dogs? You always assume that they are male. Is that just me? Have I revealed a terrible thing there? But I just, I always think cats are girls. Like she, you see a cat and they go, isn't she gorgeous? And you see a dog and isn't he lovely? And that's really, that's misgendering. And that's very bad, especially with a dog, especially with all animals. So, but this was actually a girl, but looked like a boy because it was a bloody dog and all dogs look like boys. Even the word dog, that just sounds masculine, doesn't it? Don't you think? The French word for dog is le chien, the dog. Is it la chienne if it's a female dog? Could be. If you've got internet access. Anyway. So, the dog goes in. This lady goes in. Shall we give her a name? What should we call her? Hmm. I can remember her name. So do I give you her real name or do I make one up? I think that this show, The Mark Dolan Way, is a safe space. I think there's never, never any politics, there's never any fighting, never any division. And I think actually we don't name people because I just think it's a safe space. Don't you think that's good? That means that if I were to bump into you tomorrow, you're listening to the show, we're bumping, and as an encounter, I'll talk about the encounter. But again, you'll be safe because I'll create a name for you. And it's quite fun making names, isn't it? Because various names have sort of different implications. So let me see what she's, we know what her real name is. That's in my head. Maybe I should do a Patreon version of this show where I just say what they were actually called and I just give you all the information and you can track them down and stalk them and everything for five quid a month. That wouldn't be bad, would it? So I can remember what she's called, but I'm going to rename her for her own safety. Um, Fair hair, average female height, middle age, dog owner, a bit eccentric. Let's call her. I think I think it's either Sandra or Barbara, but I think we'll go Barbara and I think we'll go a step further. I think we'll take it up a level. I think we'll call her Babs. Um, I don't know if you're familiar around the world, but Babs is a commonly received shortened version of the name Barbara, Babs. So um, let's call her Babs. It, it, it works. It's upbeat. It's a bit comedy, isn't it, Babs? There's a fabulous English actress called Barbara Windsor, who sadly is no longer alive. She was in a very successful series of comedy films called The Carry On Films, which were full of innuendo and wordplay. I grew up on The Carry Ons. They were very un-PC. They were charming. They were brilliantly executed. I was a fan. I am a fan of The Carry On Films. Um, Carry On Henry, Carry On Cleo. Carry on nurse, carry on camping. Those are among the best. I am H.O. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means, in my humble opinion, it's the first letter of each word, one after the other. So uh, Babs, this lady, Barbara Windsor, was a great comedy actress and, and people called her Babs. And I think it was perfect for this lady that I met. She's exactly like that. She's a totally a Babs. In fact, if I became friends with her, I might say, look, do you mind if I call you Babs? Because I think you're much more Babs than the actual name that you have. 
Let me just make sure that we're still recording. Can you imagine what an epic fail it would be if I hadn't recorded this? I, I It goes without saying that early stages, in the early stages of this podcast, I did sometimes fail to press record. And therefore, I would do a podcast which was essentially for me. And there's no record of it, which is, I would argue, very embarrassing. Um, so she's gone into this butcher's. My son and I have observed her in a wry way. We looked at each other and like, that's an eccentric, sort of wacky, fun lady. She's like, oh, hello. She's just all of a, all of a tizzy. Do you know what I mean? She's a chaotic entrance into the, into the hamster delicatessen. And um, somebody immediately said to her, a young, a young person working at the, at the delicatessen, by the way, you know, I said it's a butcher. It is. It's called the Hampstead Delicatessen. It has a butcher counter and they also sell dry goods as well. You know, jams and wafers and cream crackers and God knows what else. You know what I mean? Various uh, condiments, you know, sort of posh mustards, all that, all that palaver. But a lovely proper meat counter with actual butchers, with proper butcher's fingers. You know, like butchers, they've got lovely fat fingers, haven't they? Their fingers look like sausages. Do not buy meat from a butcher whose fingers do not look edible themselves, is what I would say. Um, so we've gone in and she has been affronted by somebody who said, uh, excuse me, an employee, right? Not one of the butchers, I hasten to add. It was it was just a regular person, uh, well, like a, um, a shop assistant, if you like, you know, the cashier. Although they're all branded with these nice aprons, which is very old school, which I quite like. Anyway, so what happened is that the person, the employee who was not a butcher but worked there said, excuse me, madam, you can't bring a dog in here. Very aggressively. Now, you don't need to do that, do you? If I worked there, I'd be like, oh, hello. What a lovely dog. How are you? Nice to meet you. Um, you should be called Barbara. Um, apologies in advance, but it's not possible for us to have dogs here. That's how you do it. You don't say, sorry, no dogs allowed, get out. But that was essentially what happened. It was very firm and it was very aggressive and it was very rapid fire. It's a big thing, a big theme of this podcast, okay, is that what I want to get you, I want to get you in the top 5% of all human beings. 95% of people, when they're conveying a message, they only think of getting their message across. But the top 5% that I want you to be part of will get the message across, but you'll do it in a way which is going to land correctly, which manages the emotion of the person you're talking to. So you can either say, excuse me, no dogs here, please leave. Or you can say, oh, hello. What a splendid breed of dog that is. Beautiful white eyes. And you seem excellent too. You should be called Barbara. I'm so sorry about this, but because we sell food, we're not able to have dogs in here. Is there any way you would be able to take the dog outside? That's how you do it, right? So it's the same message, but just delivered better. That's the 5%. If you've got a colleague, if you're in a relationship, if it's your children, if it's your friends, convey your message, but do it in a way that takes into account their emotions and how that message is going to land. And if it's bad news, maybe you want to sandwich it with good news. Okay, the art of communication is not only saying the thing. I love Germany. Passionately, I, I'm a great admirer of that wonderful nation with a rich history. But um, the Germans can be a little direct. And I think it's one of their, you know, every nationality has real 
strengths, real plus points and real negatives. And the Germans have so many plus points. They're good humoured, they're friendly, they're warm, they're sincere, they're very reliable, they're very trustworthy, they're honest, they're, they are direct. I'm a, I'm a Germanophile. But sometimes they can be a little blunt. The Brits are excellent at packaging up a message and making it feel, let's say you get fired, you know, the perfect way to get fired by a British person is firing you. They'll be like, can I just say that you're a remarkable person and that there exist colossal opportunities for you outside of this business? It would be a crime for us to stand in your way when you're quite clearly geared up to change the world. And it's for that reason that we're going to release you, that we will endow upon you the privilege of professional freedom with a swift departure from this enterprise. That's how you fire someone, as opposed to your rubbish, get out. So I don't think that this shop assistant pitched it properly by saying, eh, no dogs in here, you can't go, you can't have a dog in here. You know, it was just, it was, it was unseemly. But that poor shop assistant, by the way, I'd like to get hold of them because, you know, they need to listen to this podcast. I could coach them to have handled that better, but they did not. They're, they're, they're not aware. They've not been initiated. They've not been dragged into the 5%, which, of course, you have. Some of you, by the way, probably there already, NGL. So lovely. So this poor woman, right, she's a little humiliated. And I feel like the dog, although it's a dog, has picked up on her anxiety. And the dog is stressed, too. Going, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm in the Hampstead Delicatessen and... They don't want me here. So anyway, before she had time to react, I jumped straight in and I said, oh, do you want us to hang on to the dog while you do your shopping? She did not hesitate, right? Without even a beat, she said, oh, yes, please. And shoved the lead of the dog into my hands. Now, I love this woman. I love Babs because she's trusting she didn't make one of the biggest mistakes that you can make in the world. What is the biggest mistake you can make ever? Are you ready for this? She did not look a gift horse in the mouth. I presented her with a dream solution, which is that we would look after the dog and she could buy her groceries. And she was smart enough just to say, oh, yes, please. And she didn't wait. There wasn't even a gap of half a second. Her response in the affirmative was what can only be described as instant. It was, she didn't think about it. Because, you know, the gut is much quicker than the brain. The gut is, the, that's where, that is where your cognition really lies, right? Forget about the brain. The gut knows what's happening. The gut's got this. The gut is like, do you know what the gut is? The gut is like the Hercule Poirot of your whole body, right? Hercule Poirot, the detective created by Agatha Christie. He's very wise. He spots little clues. He's a great psychologist, you know, he cuts through the BS and he works it out. He always solves the crime. And, and that's your gut. Your gut is a little Hercule Poirot. Your gut is a little moustache laden Belgian detective. Everyone thinks he's French, he's Belgian. It's a real insult to the Belgians, by the way. Is Belgium nicer than France? Phew, that's a big question. I feel like that's another show, isn't it? 
Belgium versus France is another show. Here's a thought. You know what? You know, I've said that I think that Africa should take back the Canary Islands and I will I will help with sort of strategic advice and entertainment. I do wonder and I want to apologize to my French listeners, uh, no Belgian listeners and viewers, but I wonder whether France should just take Belgium because it's next door, isn't it? They speak French. Right. Food is good, so you'd inherit a lot of excellent heritage. I mean, maybe they could make a deal. The French could say, look, we can either invade and take Belgium or, you know, do some kind of union. Because we are, but Belgium, you know, the French can, the French prime minister can say to the Belgian prime minister, look, everyone goes on with the Belgium. It is France, isn't it, really? I mean, they speak French. The food is French. It's France. Belgium is France to all intents and purposes. In an emergency, it, it just it's an annex of France, surely. I wonder whether because I love France as well. I'm a big Francophile. I wonder whether France maybe in a sort of unexpected overnight raid just takes back Belgium. Just think all the all the waffles they'll get. The lovely roast chicken. And all those red-faced fat men that they've got in Belgium would become French immediately. I think it would enhance France because I want to see. I feel France is coasting a little bit, don't you? I feel France has um, sort of been treading water for the last couple of decades. We know what an amazing country it is, a great civilization. But I feel that it doesn't feel like it's really penetrated the 21st century yet. Would you agree, France? And I think um, taking back Belgium would be good because we like it's bigger. We've acquired these Belgian people who are basically French. They don't think they are. Well, bless them. They can have their little fantasy that they are. But I do think they could. I thought, by the way, for a long time, had the same thoughts about Canada, which is I do think the Americans should consider taking Canada. The the ultimate. How many states has America got? Is it 50, 51? And Canada would be like the 52nd, 51st. Does anyone know how many states are in? I don't think anyone knows. I don't think the president knows. Well, I don't think the president knows too much anyway. But I don't know how. I don't think anybody knows how many states there are in America. No one's actually counted. Maybe it changes. It's like the stock market. Sometimes there's fifty-three. Sometimes there's forty-nine. Americans take back Canada. Africa takes back the Canary Islands, and. France takes back Belgium is all I'm saying is my little are you not a little bit disappointed that I don't have a major geopolitical role because I think with these sort of ideas I do think I can make the world a better place I think I think those three ideas I've suggested are very healing I think they're very positive for the world imagine America plus Canada just one big America oh, just brilliant and a bigger France with more waffles. Yes. And Africa take back the Canary. I wonder what other... I think then once I've sorted that out, when I become like world, the world king, um, I might sort out the Middle East, but that's obviously going to be... That's a whole podcast in itself. Now, what else do we have to um, discuss? Yeah, so we took the dog. So we accepted... Um, this dog 
this lovely lady Babs has gone into the delicatessen and she's in there and she's having a spend up. She looks like she's won the lottery. I can see her wagging her finger at the butcher, ordering this, ordering that, you know, ribeye steaks and salmon and like won the bloody lottery. She is just giving it large. Elton John, of whom I'm a big fan, is famous for going into shops and just basically buying the whole shop. This is something that, that she looked like she was doing. And uh, we enjoyed the dog. The dog was lovely. It was a girl, even though it looked like a boy. And, and we got her to sit down. She was cute and she was panting and she was desperate for her owner. And we were, my son and I were stroking the dog. And one of the reasons why we love to engage with other people's dogs, because we don't have a dog, our solution is to go and say hi to other people's dogs. People's dogs. Because when you say hi to other people's dogs and you stroke them, it's almost as good as owning a dog and then you don't have the hassle. You haven't got the responsibility. It's like adopting. So we walk down the street, we see a dog, we kneel down. A um, couple of ways to approach a dog, by the way. Um, you don't have to make eye contact straight away because that can be quite threatening for the dog. So you can look away from the dog, almost turn your back on the dog and, and just offer them the back of your hand. And what they'll do is they'll sort of sniff your hand and then you can turn around and look at them and then you can sort of judge it and stroke them. But if you turn away from a dog and just offer them your hand, that is a really good way to test the water with the dog. And it's it allows them because when a dog smells you, that's a bit like they've identified you. And that's where the relationship, the bond can begin. The worst thing you can do is just go up to a dog and straight in for the cuddle. The worst thing you can do is put your face down to a dog that you haven't offered your hand to first. And the reason why is if you put your face down to a dog straight away, you might get quite literally bitten in the face. So please don't do that. But so we did that. We, we got the dog. We got we, we she, by the way, we said, is the dog all right? She's like, absolute angel. You've got no problems at all. So you have to kind of trust the owner, don't you? And I trusted Babs. Got a good feeling about her. So she's in there spending a small fortune on you know, chicken breast, uh, pate, I think. I mean, it was quite a looting session that she was in, indulging in. So she's in there, by the way, hilariously, Babs is in there for hours. Now, we're, we're quite busy people. My son and I, we, we needed to be home by like half five. And but uh, Babs wasn't concerned about this. Now, you would think, wouldn't you, that if you've given your dog to someone, you're like, I better get on with it. because They've got the dog outside. No, Babs was just in there. She was basking in in, in the glory of uh, the the butchers. You know, she's just she was really like savoring every moment and not remotely rushing it. She took I, I can't lie. She was there forever. I reckon. <sighs> 10 to 15 minutes we were stood outside this blinking supermarket waiting for her to come out but we didn't mind because we had this dog and the dog well I can I name the dog I think I can because the dog is not going to get stalked is it and it's quite nice because if Babs hears this podcast she'll be like oh it's me I'm Babs because she knows the dog so I think I'm comfortable about naming the dog the dog was called Alaska, which I think is great because it was an Alaskan husky. Alaska. It's a good name. It's a nice name. And it's a bit female, isn't it? It's got finishes with a vowel at the end. Alaska kind of sounds a bit girly and lovely. So I was kind of, and also hard to forget the name because it's an Alaskan husky. How do you forget that? So we're having a great time with, with Alaska and we're stroking her. And 
this lady comes uh, zooming out. Finally, she pays. Finally, she appears. She throws a bone marrow on the pavement, which Alaska devours. And it turns out this is the most pampered dog in the world with the most amazing, loving, caring owner who spoils her rotten. Uh, and this uh, bone marrow. So I think I, I don't know too much about this sort of animal physiology. I don't even know where what animal it is. Probably a cow. But you've got a chunk of bone. And then inside the bone is this material, this kind of proteiny sort of mousse. And it's full of vitamins. Bone marrow, I think is very good for you. It's mushy stuff inside your bones. Dogs love it. And they enjoy it. It's a challenge because they've got to use their teeth to cut and their tongue to sort of like hollow out this piece of bone. And um, so Alaska is chewing on this. It's good for their teeth as well because it gets rid of the plaque and all that. Beautiful. So um, the the dog is, is devouring that. And we get chatting and she thanked us so much. And she said, oh, if ever you want to borrow Alaska, um, just uh, just let me know and you can have her. She said she's on kind of a dog borrowing website. You've got these websites now where you can just like adopt a dog, which means that you can book the dog. You say, look, I need your German Alsatian on Thursday from four till five. And that's cool. And you get to take the dog for a walk or maybe even bring it into the home and just have a dog, but then give it back. So it's worth looking where you are, where you live, if you want to be able to um, occasionally do that, where you just sort of borrow a dog without having the responsibility. So she solicited Alaska to us saying, if ever you want to, and and I definitely would consider it. The only issue we've got is Alaska is a husky and they molt. So it would be very furry and very hairy in the house. And also we've got a cat. And I think that not only could might they fight, but also I feel the cat would experience a feeling of betrayal that we somehow brought another species in. And Harry, our cat, would be like, I thought I thought I was the animal in your life. You brought this other creature in, you know, and I think it could be quite distressing for the cat to have this other animal with their scent and their sort of, you know, dogs are very territorial. I think it could be rather stressful for the cat. So I'm not sure we would do that, but I wouldn't rule out taking old Alaska for a walk. But it was a lovely encounter. And then this woman told us that she lives in London, Cairo and Dubai. That's a trio, isn't it? Babs is living her best life, don't you think? Just amazing. But we had a really long chat and she said, take my number. And if you want to borrow Alaska, you can. And I'm not going to rule it out. If I do borrow Alaska, I'm going to do I'll do a podcast about Alaska. Should we do that? Why don't I take Alaska? Why don't I have an adventure with Alaska? And then let you know how it goes. And and maybe I could even, I don't know, how could I do it? I could splice some footage of Alaska into the video for those watching on YouTube. It'd be a lovely thing. But it was a great encounter. And it's demonstrated the real power of being open to things. You know, that this lady's gone into the shop. She's been told to put the dog outside. And then we just spontaneously offered to take the dog. And that's a little, I think I would argue 95% of people would not have done that. They'd have just let her leave the shop. But, you know, we're in the 5% and we're like, hey, Babs, we'll take the dog. And what it led to was a wonderful encounter where my son gets quality time with this lovely dog. I've got a story for you. 
And I've now got this woman's number and I can borrow Alaska whenever I want. Alaska might remember us because dogs are very clever. And just this wonderful lady, this real character, a little nutty. She's an eccentric. She's bonkers. But you know what? Bonkers people are underrated. And normal, sensible people are overrated. Look out for those characters. Keep your heart open, open to a bit of madness. Chat to strangers. We talked about that before. And who knows what complete adventures lie ahead. I mean, that's just a crazy moment, wasn't it? But will stay with us forever. I think when, when I'm like 70, hopefully I'll be 70, I'll remind my son of that story. And he'll remember Babs and he'll remember Alaska. She was off her off her trolley. She lives in London, Cairo and Dubai. Just imagine her life. I'm not sure how uh, poor old Alaska fits into that itinerary, but there you go. Um, give it time. Oh, and that brings us to the end of the podcast, right? Which is why did I tell you this story about Babs? And it's as follows. When Babs, and this is where I want to apologise and I did a really bad thing. Babs said... I feel really bad about this. Babs said, why don't you sometimes, she she kind of said it like it was more than just you can have Alaska sometimes. She said, oh, why don't you take Alaska sometimes? You can have her sometimes if you like. Right. So she really aggressively offered me Alaska. She wasn't getting rid of Alaska, but she was really sort of saying, when are you going to have Alaska for like a little, you know, afternoon? And I panicked and I said, because I knew I knew my my wife, my fabulous wife would, would be concerned about having a dog in the house because of Harry. And also we once did borrow someone else's dog and the dog then was that running around the house and up the stairs and everything and jumped on the bed. And it my missus was not happy about it, understandably. So I don't think that Mrs. Dolan would take kindly to like just a random dog just turning up. So A... I couldn't really say yes on her behalf, but also B, I wasn't even sure I wanted to commit. It just, it felt very soon from Babs to be offering me Alaska. Do you know what I mean? We've taken the dog for like 10, 15 minutes. Now she wants me to sort of sign up to some kind of long-term agreement of co-parenting. She's like, oh, you can, you can, maybe you'd like to have Alaska sometime. Anyway, I panicked, right? And I did something that's really bad and I don't want you to ever do this and I don't want to do it myself ever again. I told a white lie. I really regret it. I panicked. That's my only excuse. Shouldn't make excuses. I panicked. I said, my wife is allergic to dogs. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. That's not true. She's not allergic. My missus has the immune system of an ox. Mrs. Dolan is hardy. She's got high muscle mass. She's a unit. She has power. She's got a thick neck, bulging veins. She is a presence physically. She is not allergic to f anything, let me tell you. She could eat nuclear weapons and be absolutely fine. She'd have it digested by morning. She is robust. She's not allergic to bloody dog, dog, dog fur. But I panicked. I lied to Babs and I said, my wife is allergic to dog. I panicked. Anyway, I'll never do it again. And I want to say to you, don't do these white lies. 
it's just not good to lie because there's no such thing as a good lie. Even a little lie is not good. Even if it's, you know, do, does this dress suit me? No, just it doesn't. It makes, your, it makes your backside look big. Just tell the truth. Just be the arbiter of truth. And little white lies, they're not good. They're not good. Oh, do you want to come round to ours for dinner next Thursday? And you're like, oh, I think we're away. Don't do it. Just say, um, no, next week's busy. Uh, it's going to be too hard. It's going to be stressful. Just be honest. People will really appreciate that. You get invited to stuff. Just say, I don't really, I just don't think I'll, I want to do that. <laughs> don't don't say um, I'm, I'm in a tennis tournament. Don't say I'm abroad. Just say, thanks for asking, but um, I, I don't think that's going to work. I don't fancy that. Or, you know, just say no. People will appreciate the honesty. And I wobbled and I panicked and I said, my wife is allergic to dogs. Now, what I should have said is thanks for that kind offer. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work or um, I'm not sure. I, of course, I could have said we've got a cat. I don't think the cat would like it. Or I said, oh, maybe I could even have just done a holding line, which is thanks for the offer. I'll think about it. But I just said my wife's allergic to dog fur. She isn't. She's not allergic to anything. She could take. Like, you know, shrapnel from the First World War and the, the Somme and the battlefields of the Somme. She could dig out shrapnel and just chew through it and actually achieve some kind of nutritional advantage from decades old military shrapnel she'd get some vitamin d out of it or something she is not allergic to dogs she is durable you know what i mean built to last like a like an 80s mercedes she is just she's not allergic to dogs it was the worst lie you could imagine so I regretted that. But listen, every mistake once. And I actually said to my son, because he knows that his mother's not allergic to, because he knows what a powerful unit his mother is, what a machine she is. And I said, I made a mistake there. There's also a bad role model to him, right? Your dad, he knows his dad's just told a white lie there. In fact, let's get rid of white lie. There's no white lie. Any lie is a lie. And I should have just been straight. And I just said, oh, thanks for asking. We'll think about it. Or... I don't know or I can't say I can't say yes. I can't say no. Um, ultimately, uh, that was the lesson learned, but it didn't matter because overall it was a joyous experience. And actually, that was a learning experience because that means that I won't do white lies in the future. And Babs has therefore taught me a beautiful thing, which is to be straight with people. By the way, I'm going to give you one exclusive. I think there's a reason why I told the white lie. And I think that's because I'm a people pleaser and I want people to like me. And I'm sure you're like that. Most people are people pleasers. Don't do that. Don't say things people want to hear. Be brave. Be willing to be unpopular. And if you don't want to go to that dinner party, just say thanks for the invitation, but I don't want to go. <laughs> right? You'll be trusted. It's a superpower. And that's what I'll do next time. And by the way, I think I'm going to connect with Alaska because Alaska is very special. And I'd like to see Babs again. And when I do, I'm going to tell you all about it. Uh, there you go. Give it time. Don't tell white lies and follow your gut instinct. Thank you so much for watching and listening to the show. And I will see you next time on The Mark Dolan Way. Goodbye. <laughs>